I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show from Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In today's programme, why a leading stock market commentator is now saying the bull market is back. What's really happening to house prices? We find out which index you can really trust. And we answer a listener's question on passing on an inheritance and avoiding care fees. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of my colleagues from FT Money, Steve Lodge. Hello. Elaine Moore. Hello. And Charlene Goff. Hello. So let's start with the money news. This week, FT Money columnist and stock market historian David Schwartz has become the first commentator to put his head above the parapet and declare the bear market is over and a new bull market has begun. But with the Chancellor warning of the worst economic conditions in 60 years and the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development predicting that the UK would enter a recession this year, how can this be the case? Um, Steve, what do you think that... David Schwartz has seen in the stock market that others haven't. Well, Matthew, David is a great number cruncher. He's what they call a technical analyst, or that's the basis of his theory. He highlights a number of points. One, that the UK stock market has completed a classic bear market fall, 25% to the bottom in July from last June, June 2007, just before the credit crunch started. One of his other points is August is, is a very good indicator of where the market's going in future, and the market was up 4% this August when everyone was away on holiday, of course. So, so August's price move tells us what about bull markets? Uh, because August was up, therefore it's a bull market. Is it, is it as simple as that? Well, his, his, his statistical analysis is that 22 times out of 23 when the market rises in August, a bull market is running. So, so this is normally an indicator that a bull market's underway even if it doesn't feel like it. So it's the historical... Uh, president uh, that he's looking at. That seems like a very techie sort of way to look at investments. Is that something that a lot of investors will do to, to run through all of the Augusts of the last however many years in order to work out where you're going to be investing? Well, that's a good point. Um, uh, if the argument is that history repeats itself, we can think of plenty of instances where history hasn't and stock market investors have, have come unstuck. So uh, for private investors out there, they've seen the, the 4% rise in August, which is great and the FTSE back to you know 5.5%. 5. 
at the moment. Um, do you really think this is the time to pile back in? Well, my own personal view is that, I mean, maybe David's over-egging it by talking about a bull market. But on, say, a three- to five-year view, there are many shares and many markets that are so bombed out that people who buy now are likely to get a relatively good return. So it's a relatively good time to buy. But that's not to say, and I don't, and not to misrepresent David, I think he's saying there will be further problems along the way. So does that mean you have to be very careful about which areas you're investing in? Does David specify any sort of investment opportunities that he's noticed? Because he's a, um, a day trader, I think he's identified um, you know, one particular company, a tribal group, which is in support services. But I think I mean, Steve's point earlier about bombed out sectors is perhaps a better indicator for arguably longer term investors. You mentioned banks. Well indeed I mean there are many high yielding shares out there banks of course are a potentially risky sector because who knows we may get another bank bust. Many stock market commentators are talking about the likes of Vodafone which has seen a recent recovery high yielding, beneficiary of weak sterling um, BT another example pharmaceuticals of course classic bear market plays you know great cash generators is 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 the claim for these uh the glaxos and the astrazenecas of this world um of course great long-term disappointments for many investors as well in the past so it's going to be all about playing the right sectors and being willing to see some you know short-term fallbacks before the bull market eventually kicks in. And if you'd like to um, study all of the evidence for the return of the bull market, you can read David Schwartz's column in FT Money in this weekend's FT or go online at ft.com forward slash money. You can also send in your questions for us to answer by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. And we'll be answering a listener's question about wills and inheritance and care fees later in the show. Before that, though... House prices. Uh, This week, the Halifax House Price Index showed a 10.9% fall in the average house price over the past year. But land registry figures say prices are only down 2% in the year, and our very own FT House Price Index is actually showing annual growth of 0.3%. So which of these is right? Well, to find out, um, Charlene spoke to Stuart Law of Property Investors Assets, and she began by asking if he's as baffled as the rest of us by all of these different figures. Uh, yeah, yeah. the reports we're seeing in terms of house prices, uh, we're beginning to see a variety of different figures coming out where the, the, uh, the group of house price indices that we've got in the UK market are beginning to uh, vary, diverge significantly. And, and the reason for this is they're representing different data. And so I think even this morning we've seen Halifax come out and say property prices are down by almost 11% mm. year on year. Yes. Um, do you think that's a fair reflection of what's actually going on in the market? I'm, I'm, I'm sure the uh, Halifax's data, and that's very similar to the nationwide's data, uh, is, is accurate. It's, it's their data. It truly reflects their own client valuations for uh, mortgage offers being made to their clients at present, or at least four weeks back anyway. But also, I think last week we saw the FT house price index, which mm. is based on the lateral land registry figures coming out, and that showed a completely different picture. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that the problem is w- w- with assets, we, we, we track a house price watch uh, index, which traditionally has been um, all of these indices uh, put together in a, in a chart, analysed and, and averaged. And, and on, on the whole, all of the indices follow each other very closely. Uh, what we've seen over the last few months is a very worrying divergence. And 
I think that the, the data that you've got on land registry, uh, you would expect to be perfect. Uh, first of all, it's whole of market uh, land registry data. Uh, in that it's every registered transaction going through a solicitor in the country uh, with certain exceptional transaction types excluded which wouldn't represent a house sale. Um, so it's very, very good data. Um, what's very confusing, unfortunately, is the Land Registry House Price Index doesn't represent all of its own data. Uh, in, since April 2000, uh, only 2 million of the 9 million house sales going through are actually represented within the Land Registry House Price Index. Uh, and it's only those that have had a repeat sale uh, so sold twice since April 2000. Uh, the Financial Times data is based on the land registry data whole set. And initially, in the early two or three months after the data is released, they start off with the, uh, uh, a, a composite of mortgage data, mortgage lender data, uh, much wider than Halifax and nationwide. And a combination of starting off with mortgage lender data on approvals and valuations gradually sliding into being replaced out by the actual land registry data being recorded, uh, gives, uh, in our opinion, the strongest data. Um, I know I'm being <laughs> interviewed by yourselves, yeah. uh, but this, this is a, a, our independent view. Uh, we, we've analysed it, and uh, I think it's very worrying, even to quote land registry data. Yeah. Um, most common transactions are at the lower price point when people are early in their house price career on the ladder and are changing house more often. Yeah, and I think, I mean, that's quite good news then for homeowners out there because if we're saying the FT is the most accurate data I mean that's actually showing I think price is still marginally up on last year. Uh, it is the, the the last data out was uh, 0.3 growth for the whole market right. um, over the last year. Uh, we, we expect that to lower further but uh, nothing like uh, the nationwide Halifax data. Yeah and I think another reason that I've heard mentioned uh, that there might be this big difference is that the FT data can actually lag the market sometimes, so it's actually reflecting what happened a couple of months mm. ago, whereas Nationwide and Halifax are reflecting what happens actually now. Mm. Is that true, it's, uh, The land registry data, true, does lag. It's 15 weeks roughly after a sale is agreed, and around 11 weeks uh, out of sync with Halifax and Nationwide data. So it's true, the land registry data, which is only recording repeat sales, remember, not the whole of uh, the transactions, is lagging. Unfortunately, the FT data doesn't have that problem uh, for the people commenting uh, and trying to discredit this other data. It, th th in our opinion, the FT data is, is near perfect because it, it has the biggest pool of mortgage data only four weeks after a sale agreed, identical to Halifax and Nationwide. There is no lag. Yeah. It's analysed in a clever way, and you can see how accurate the initial forecast is when it's released because it barely varies two or three months later when the actual data's come in. So, no, the, the lag argument does not apply to the FT data. It is as current as Halifax and Nationwide. Well, that's really interesting. And what do you think could be the broader impact of all this on the housing market? So if people are seeing <laughs> these yes. headlines saying there are 10% falls that maybe actually aren't mm. happening or aren't accurately reflecting what's going on in, in the underlying market... Yeah. What could be the, the Halifax and Nationwide customers are definitely receiving valuations that are down by as much as, record, uh, as reported. Yeah, that, that's that. That must be a fact. Um, but um, using it as uh, representative of the whole UK, I think, is very dangerous. Um, you know, I, I, I talked to a, a senior board-level director at a, at a, at a bank recently, uh, suggesting that they were going to be taking two or three valuations going forwards and automatically picking the lowest. Right. Now, that's an interesting way of uh, creating a bit of a problem in the market. And another factor uh, would be that uh, valuers with large loan-to-values and with mortgage lending involved versus a cash buyer, perhaps they're being more cautious yeah. over the uh, uh, responsibility they have to the lender 
after all, they do act for the lender. Yeah, so people just need to be a little bit careful about how seriously they're taking what they're reading. I, th- I think that if you're looking at a mortgage-related purchase, you're under pressure. Um, more pressure than the average market as a whole, and an awful lot uh, more pressure than a cash purchaser. So, no, I don't think that the extreme data in Halifax and Nationwide is representative of the UK market as a whole, no. So, Charlene, uh, Stuart obviously looked at the different methodologies that are behind these indices. Do you think one of the major factors is the fact that some of the lenders' indices are skewed to particular parts of the market? Yeah, I do think that's a really important point. And by definition, these lender indices are only taking into account property transactions that are mortgaged. Halifax and Nationwide have also both been big players in the first-time buyer market, so are quite skewed towards the lower end, where properties are a bit cheaper, where, where people are taking out bigger mortgages and are therefore deemed a bit more risky. So they are definitely very focused on those parts of the market whereas the FT index and the land registry figures are taking into account every property transaction, so cash purchases as well as those that are reliant on mortgages, and so are giving a broader picture of what's actually going on. I suppose we need to be very careful about the terminology because we talk about average house prices, but some of these indices don't use an average, do they? What Halifax and Nationwide are doing when they say the average house price index is actually looking at the median so say for instance they have a thousand property transactions in a month they'll line them all up and they'll take the one bang in the middle as the average and of course that's creating quite a manufactured view of it isn't the flip side of that charlene as well that some of the surveys i think the land registry can actually show that only two houses sold in a particular area on the basis of that the danger is people might take a view that house prices are up down or sideways based on a very small sample yeah that's true and in fact the land registry figures only take into account properties of the same properties that have been sold twice since 2000 so if and because they want the very pure data and they're saying you can only really get that if you're looking at exactly the same property and it was sold for this much in 2000 and this much in 2005. Is there one indices that you would recommend, though? Well, the FT indices, of course. (laughs) Why is that? That's not presumably just because it's the FT's index. No, I think that is widely regarded as the most accurate. Like, Stuart has a very strong opinion on this, and that's not to say any of the others are presenting incorrect information. Um, And what's interesting as well is that when it's giving an estimate up front of the mortgage, approval data and then when it actually brings in the real data there's very little difference which signals that the way they're doing it is very accurate. Well if you'd like to make sense of what's really happening to your house price um, you can go online to ft.com forward slash UK housing. And finally today we have a listener's question on whether it's possible to leave an inheritance to children without it being claimed by a local authority to pay for a parent's residential care costs. Um, Steve, uh, what exactly is the situation that this listener finds herself in at the moment? Now the problem arises because traditionally couples have had mirror wills. First one to die the other one gets everything. Now, if the other one gets everything and then needs care, those assets will be available to pay for that care. 
um, not a problem for the rest of us, but a problem for that family. Because, of course, that person who needs the care might otherwise be paid for by the council. So is the solution then for the first spouse or partner to leave all of the inheritance to the children? That is the suggestion, and that's what the listener was interested in asking about. Now, it's a very complicated legal area, so I think the first point to say is that you need to take legal advice on this. You can also change a will after death, up until, uh, for, for a period of, believe it or not, two years after death. Our legal expert, though, suggests that people look at this issue before um, death, funnily enough. <laughs> so don't, don't leave the will as it is Yes, if you're worried about this. Yes. Go and get some advice now. Indeed. If you then look to try and change the will after death in that two-year window for inheritance tax purposes, then there's a danger that the council will make a claim. Well, if you'd like to know more about this issue uh, and uh, get the full advice to our listener, look out for Steve's uh, Wealth Questions page in this weekend's FT Money. And remember that you can email your own questions to us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. But that's all we have time for in this week's FT Money show. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Elaine, Steve and Sholly. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.